0: You're listening to the Gamer Podcast, I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we're covering all the biggest news stories of the week. After that, a deep dive into Elden Ring, and finally, Destiny 2 The Witch Queen. Let's go! Welcome to the show. It's the first week of March. Review season is officially over. All the good games of February of 2022 have already come out. So, is there (laughs) any reason to live anymore? We're done. Let's let's discuss. uh, Here with Izzy Vanderveld. Hello. Jamie Latour. What's up, gamers? uh, Mercifully, uh, the Pokemon Company has given us something to live for. Pokemon Day 2022 was this past Sunday, and as part of a mobile game-filled presentation, we got a reveal of the next generation of Pokemon, Generation 9. Uh, It takes place in a Spanish-themed region, doesn't have a name yet, but we do know that the games are Pokemon Scarlet, Pokemon Violet, and of course, we did get to... see our three new starters and aren't they just totes adorbs they are
1: pretty adorable <laughs> my uh, goodness
2: i i got a lot more on side with the crocodile one after i i can't remember it's oh yeah Fue coco. when i found oh, out that was its name i was like okay do you know what yeah i want i want the little fire croc that's cute
0: <laughs> yes very very spanish themed names we have Fue coco <laughs> is our little fire croc love it Brigatito. Is our grass cat, and Quaxley is our sassy little duckling boy. I'm going for the duck.
1: The duck rules. The duck <laughs> Quaxley.
0: Now listen, it's I know I don't get to decide these things uh, as a straight man, but if Quaxley is not a gay icon, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> is. <laughs> I think I immediately
2: saw uh, tweets that were like, "Is he, you know?" and then just the hand thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yes, He is uh, he is me, fruity yeah. in the best way possible. Not even the. Class. I like all these guys. These guys,
1: like, I'm looking. I actually just loaded up all the starters, and uh, yeah, th- this is a winning bunch. They're good, right? Yeah,
0: they're
3: really cool. good.
0: Um. Yeah, uh, the the most discourse I've seen so far, though, has been about the cat. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we already have a cat, mm-hmm. right? And Sprigatito is not that different from Lytton. It's a different type, but they're kind of just basic house cats. We already have and a crocodile the fear... as well. Do we have a crocodile?
2: We've got a few crocodiles. Totodile, that's a water starter.
0: I guess crocodile. Totodile. Oh, okay, is a crocodile. yeah. Right. A,
2: what's it? Sandile. But turns like, Crocodile or Crocodile.
0: Totodile and Fuecoco are very different designs. Yeah. Whereas I think Sprigatita Linton is like, here's a green cat, here's a red cat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, so I thought Fuecoco actually... Okay, so I, I thought that was a hippo. So, yeah. Uh, it could be a kind of hippo. Yeah, thing, okay. Yeah. yeah, it could be a hippo. They, yeah.
0: it, it does say... There's a description on... Uh, one of the wiki, Pokemon wiki sites that says it's a crock. Okay. All right.
1: I This is going up the picture here with his happy little face. Because <laughs> hippos hippos look deceptively happy until you actually meet one and uh, you're done. So, so I just thought that was that. So
0: Fue, like Fuego, like fire, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then Coco is, like, the Spanish boogeyman, and it's kind of like a crocodile bird. Ah, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. So this
2: could be, like, a fire dark or fire ghost, then, which would be quite cool.
0: People are thinking fire ghost. I'd like fire.
2: I guess they already just did that with um, Heserian type typhlosion, but...
0: uh, Coco can also mean skull, I guess, and its
2: face
1: kind
0: of looks like a skull.
2: Yeah, I see that as
4: well.
1: So. Yeah, I guess it does kind of look like a skull. So, yeah, it might be like a creepy fire boy.
2: I like that. I dig that. Um, that's, that's got me even more hyped. Ghost is one of my favorite types.
1: Yeah, that could be cool. Even though
0: you're right, we did just get that with Typhlosion mm. in Legends. Um, So we'll see. But uh, the big thing is that we don't want Sprigatito to evolve into some kind of sexy, anthropomorphic cat person. Or at least, well, I mean, I don't. Some people well, be
1: unfortunate. I have some sad news for you. <laughs> uh,
0: the gamer editor-in-chief, Stacey Henley, might be on the other side of this fence. Uh, but personally, I just want a big, cool cat mon, right? Like, can't we just get a big, four-legged lion tiger leopard something like does it have to be some sort of like castanet playing flamenco dancer like <laughs> you know what i mean like uh,
1: the yeah the- didn't there a lot of them do go become like these weird bipedal like people all of a sudden that are wearing like complicated outfits and you are like wait did you evolve with the outfit what, what what happened here where'd you get your maracas right so
0: we had we had greninja not just a frog, a frog ninja. And then suddenly all of the starters after that were like, what if it was actually a person? And what if that person had hobbies?
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> so Incineroar
0: is a, is the heel Pokemon. He's a, a professional wrestler and apparently a bad a baddie. Oh.
2: Oh, is that why and he's dark and not fighting? Because he's a baddie. Yeah. but the only a
1: baddie.
0: reason. I okay. know. I didn't, know. I didn't then, know Pokemon had alignments. <laughs> and then in in Gen 8, they all had a thing, right? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Cinderace is a soccer player, a, f- a football player. Rillaboom's a drummer, and Inteleon is a super secret agent sniper.
2: Yeah, weird. It got, it got hmm. So,
0: weird. yeah, so that's how it's going to be. They're all going to be a thing, right? Like, Sprigatito's going to be a, a flamenco dancer. Fue Cocoa is going to be a, a grave digger. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Maybe like a like a medium, like a mystic.
0: Ooh, like a fortune mm-hmm. teller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's what's class going to be just a duck? An interior designer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I get. I mean, this seems so soon. We just had
1: legends. Yeah, they are really moving on from that really quickly.
0: This is going to be open world. Uh, I assume it's going to have more of the traditional, like going from gym to gym, fighting, team, whatever format than Legends did, uh, which I'm looking forward to. I hope maybe we can scale back on the crafting a bit because I think that kind of bogged down Legends a lot for me. Um, But yeah, yeah.
1: I'm actually surprised uh, by how they pivoted to it being like Arceus, because I always always, or Arceus, or however you pronounce it, uh, I was always under the impression that was supposed to be, like, the spin-off game to give you, like, kind of a different Pokemon experience. And then this one came out, and it's like, no, we're just doing this. This is all the games now. All the mm-hmm. games are like this now.
0: Yeah, I think I think I can imagine there will be more Legends games. Mm-hmm. Like, it is I a good go. format for, like, exploring the past and mm-hmm. using different mechanics and stuff but if this next one is going to be open world yeah you're right like we wonder how what's going to differentiate it personally i hope it's just like the crafting thing i have like mm-hmm. i just want to win fight in battles win get money buy the stuff i want from a store i don't want to collect twigs and berries <laughs> for most of the game that is most of Legends. So many apricorns or whatever they're called. <laughs> hitting, hitting trees. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So NVIDIA got uh, cybercrimed. Mm. You oh, know about yeah. this?
2: Yeah. the whole source code got leaked, didn't it?
0: Yeah. NVIDIA oh. got hit with a ransomware and their entire source code got leaked. Um, people poured over it immediately i it's a little kind of, it's kind of a sticky thing to like report on like ransomware attacks you know yeah like, like they did a crime and now we have all this data
2: I think but, but can, it, then
0: again it's like in the public interest
2: yeah i think it's fair to report on it happening i just don't think sites that are reporting on it should like host any links to that stolen data themselves yeah, because I mean, you know, people will. We know people will just go and look for that data if they're so inclined. But yeah, you are right. Like if someone, it, it's it's a big thing that happened. Like it doesn't it doesn't help anyone to just act like it hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so the big story that's come out of this, um, and for our purposes, it kind of relates to what we were talking about last week. Um, so this is the DLSS source code. Uh, if you're not familiar, this is basically like the most high tech upscaling uh, that NVIDIA does. It's like it, it's like super new tech, and it's on all the new NVIDIA graphics cards, and it does an incredible job of um, upscaling, so that basically you can get way better performance from your hardware than you ought to. Hmm. That's that's the general idea. Okay. Um, so what we what we believe we have discovered from this leak is the, uh, files for the next switch, uh, which interestingly, Oh, when when all of the switch in for when when all the switch pro stuff was coming out a couple of years ago, DLSS was rumored to be on the next switch. Like that was going to be a big part of the performance enhancements. Um, and so now we have this uh, file. It says it's called NVN2, and the graphics, the NVIDIA graphics file on the first switch was called NVN. So ergo. It looks like um, it looks like graphics software for the Switch Pro. Now this file is apparently from 2019, which I think pretty much aligns with what we know about development on the Switch Pro. Um, we were talking about this last week too.
2: I was thinking, yeah, you've said this
0: but, before. But, like, this doesn't mean... this. I don't think this means anything other than what we already know. That Switch Pro was in development, dev kits were out in the wild, and pandemic, silicone shortage, et cetera, et cetera. The Switch Pro didn't happen. I don't know if this means anything other than that. That it... we know it was in development it doesn't mean it still is or what the timeline is or really anything i think this is just i think this is just more confirmation of what we already knew
1: uh i i I would be very surprised if a switch pro doesn't come out because they are notorious for doing this kind of stuff they had the new 3ds this is has to be in development i am assuming that because uh, then they say isn't the switch technically only halfway through its life cycle right now or like because i that, remember i read anything about that that's something they've said yeah in the past six hmm. months or so so well, they yeah. are yeah i feel like nintendo is notorious for putting out a advanced version of their handheld systems so like i i, I but the only thing i don't understand is like what is going on with it because it has to exist everybody knows it exists but it's just so weird that it's just in this weird limbo state after, like, what, three years of rumors?
2: That will be the the global, like, chip shortage, though, won't it? Just If they can't mass-produce yeah. they're probably thinking if they can't mass-produce it and get it out to everybody at, a, like, a semi-reasonable cost, then what's the point in doing it? Also,
1: when did the... Um, that's got to be it. When did the
2: PS4 Pro and, like, Xbox One X come out in those consoles' lifetimes? Because mm, it's, it's still, like... Question. It is a thing, you know, like as I guess with with PC gamers, they can just upgrade their PC parts kind of whenever, whereas console players, it, it makes sense to kind of halfway through a console's lifetime to put out like a, a slightly more optimized version. So you can like, yeah, that sort of stepping stone between that and what's going to be the next gen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I swear the PlayStation Pro and the Xbox One X, uh, they came out like probably like two years before the next gen systems were revealed. I
2: feel like it was quite late,
1: yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, I felt like they were released and then like literally the next year it's like, guess what, new ones are coming. (laughs) So I feel like this will probably be the thing. Like when the Switch Pro finally does materialize and become a thing, if it does, then you could pretty much say, okay, the the new Switch is probably going to be like a year or two out. Now
0: we have three Switches. Like we 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 do have the typical Nintendo variety of hardware, mm-hmm. right? They they mm-hmm. don't seem that different because it's like it's not like the. 3DS and the 2DS which had like a completely different form factor. But like we have the Switch, we have the Switch Lite, we have the Switch OLED. Oh, I always forget about the Switch OLED. Yeah, and the Switch OLED is relatively new. So um, yeah, I mean uh, of course a new Switch is inevitable. Um, I just there there's a lot of headlines about this Nvidia leak and I don't think it's I don't think it's an indication of what people think it's an indication of, no. there will be another switch. It's gonna be a while. I think. I think that's the
1: reality. Yeah. Nvidia's getting hit with a lot of leaks lately. Like, was it a couple of months ago they got hit with that huge leak that had all those that list of games on it? Yeah, it like the G the G now. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you just type in Nvidia. Like I typed in Nvidia leaks, and it was just like, oh, there's there's been quite a few lately. All right. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder what I wonder what's going
0: on there. Yeah, gotta work on their cybersecurity. Get your shit together, Nvidia. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Uh, okay. Well, it, instead of a Switch Pro, we have a Steam Deck. Some may mm. argue that's a, a better value proposition. The Steam Deck is out. Uh, Gabe Newell is. On the streets, hand delivering (laughs) these fucking things. Imagine this guy coming to your house. I don't, I think I would freak out. I mean, is there a more recognizable video game man than Gabe Newell? Maybe like Miyamoto? I was going to say Miyamoto, but. I still think, I think Gabe Newell's more recognizable. He looks like he's Santa nice. Claus. I was just going to say, you
2: know, I think the image of Gabe Newell I have in my head is definitely a much, is a way older image. As in, when he was younger. So the image itself is older, but he's uh-huh. older. You know uh, so without saying? beard. Yeah, without the beard, when it's like him with the glasses and the short hair and he's like kind of fresh, like that to me is Gabe Newell. So when I saw these pictures, I was like, oh damn, I was like, yeah, I was like, I guess, I guess he's, he's grown up. Like he's... He's older
0: now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you live in the Seattle area, Gabe Newell might come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> very weird thing to say. It's um, not a threat.
4: It's a, it's a good thing to
2: say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the first round of Steam Deck, people are getting it into their hands. Uh, right off the bat, there were some stick drift issues, but luckily it turns out that that is software-related. Oh, thank yeah, God. It's, a, yeah. it's a dead zone issue i hate than I had issue. i've had
1: eight controllers i've had eight controllers all have stick drift in like the last three years Jeez. like yeah like two ps4 controllers two xbox one and then like a whole bunch of joy cons so i'm like so done with stick drift i am um, oh, yeah, yeah I've,
0: i fixed a joy
2: con or two i buy my controllers from um cex now uh, i don't know if you guys have that like cx it's just a, like no. a, a oh, no, reseller. Yeah. it's just a reseller but every ah. single product they sell um they give you a two year warranty on it so mm-hmm. for controllers which are nowadays yeah like you know breaking every year or so that's an amazing warranty because if your controller balks it in a year you just go and you get a new one last another year so
0: mm-hmm.
4: it really
2: helps
0: nice mm. that's actually pretty good yeah considering um. Yeah. So this this is not a hardware issue. Thankfully, that would have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, imagine having to recall all the Steam decks, like as they as they Yeah. <sighs> it makes me. It reminds me of the play date, which got delayed because their first palette. You guys know the play date, right? Was that the cr- one with the crank? Yeah. 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 Ah. It's it's this little handheld uh, with a crank on it, and they got a whole palette of them, and all the batteries were bad.
1: Oh, wow. That sucks.
0: So, yeah. So we're still waiting on the release of that. Um, I'm still waiting to get my Steam Deck. <laughs> you know, we're going to be waiting. We're probably going to be waiting a while. Um, so a, a couple other things about the Steam Deck. Um, obviously, because it can run other operating systems uh, like Windows, it, it's also going to be used by a lot of people for emulation. Uh, and Nintendo is already on the attack um, mm-hmm. videos of Nintendo being Nintendo games getting emulated on the Steam deck are getting copyright strikes on YouTube uh, you know which is pretty typical Nintendo stuff I don't think that mm-hmm. should surprise anyone but uh, golly Nintendo like I their fans, Nintendo people are the best PR, like because they're <laughs> so aggressively defensive of Nintendo that yeah. it embold- in my mind, it emboldens Nintendo to just make horrific PR plays at every turn. Like they, they do not care at all about the way they look. They are, they are more protective and aggressive about their copyright than even Disney, and that's saying a lot
1: every time i see a story about a new nintendo fan game i instantly just want to be like why are you talking about this stop <laughs> stop don't develop this in secret and then when it's done just throw it on the internet and run away like don't tell anyone about your nintendo fan games
2: yeah it's, it's yeah. hard as a reporter as well because you want to like i remember that um i know it wasn't called it was pokemon gun that was being developed um not oh, long God, ago yeah, now i to that, it down quick it looked awesome like the boss fights looked so cool it was like fortnite pokemon safari it just looked great and like you have to talk about it because it's it's news like it it is a thing happening but then you know doing so is gonna get nintendo's eye on it and then it's gonna it's gonna go i think the issue with yeah. all of it is, is you know, if if you aren't the one who reports on it somebody else is gonna report on it anyway so
1: it's just a matter of who... it felt like people know. were really mad about the Pokemon like first person shooter It felt like everybody's like you're shooting Pikachu what are you doing <laughs> I thought that was mostly just
2: people joking around it, <laughs> it was quite brutal just absolutely rocking Pikachu shit with a shotgun
1: <laughs> yeah it was just like that's a bit it's a bit it's a bit much but at the same time you're like you know these are monsters you shoot monsters
0: <gasps> mm. monsters yeah Nintendo Nintendo also pulled Smash from Evo this week Mm -hmm. uh, for the second time. Uh, They did this, I think, two Evos ago, Uh, and it's which is it's just absurd. Like Smash is by far the biggest game at Evo. Why did they pull it? Gets the most for the same reason that they don't want videos of emulation and fan games and everything. It's, it's all about controlling their IPs. Oh, okay. um, yeah. It's, it, it may, it's, it defies all logic. It's the best mm. free advertising uh, that they could get because people love smash and they want to see it be played. Like, it's it's really no exaggeration like smash was the headliner of evo and this is the second time they've just said no you can't play just i it's hard to even imagine you can't play this video game at your fighting game competition it's i can't believe they can even do that (laughs) i was just thinking yeah what what actually gives them the right to
2: do that
1: i don't know there's probably some complicated copyright stuff or something I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I guess maybe
2: they could argue Evo's profiting off of their game. So like, unless they pay them a license fee or something, they can't do it. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Imagine I mean, like, I know that with like, like, like. Yeah. Like, I know with like pay per views. If you go and you show a pay per view in like a public venue or something like that, you could get in trouble if you don't have a license mm-hmm. or something. So maybe it's a similar thing. You know, if you play my game at a public event without a license, I can charge you or something like that. I, uh... Yeah
2: little tangent here but i found out um when i was getting my last tattoo done that the way some if if one tattoo studio is beefing with another what they can do is report the tattoo studio for playing music without um a license
4: and then (laughs) what
2: and yeah and then like a regulator will go around in secret and if they hear like music (laughs) that need that isn't protected under like whatever the there's some music that you can play without a license, but like most music right. like that you'd hear on the radio, you have to have a license for it. Um, and obviously tattoo studios are just, it's just a bunch of people hanging out. Playing like, the radio just, or whatever. Yeah, playing the radio, like playing stuff off their wow. phones and just scribbling on each other. But because it's a business, like they have to have a specific license. So yeah, a lot don't. And yeah. that's how they get shut down. It's mad.
1: Man, we're at the point where you need to have royalty-free music in your tattoo parlor. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hate this stage of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Moving on. So, uh, obviously, the whole world is uh, feeling the effects of uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine, mm. uh, and the game industry is no exception. There's a, a a lot of things that are happening uh, this week and happening quickly. Um, one thing that I thought was particularly of note. Was that EA said that Russia's is going to be removed from FIFA and NHL, mm-hmm. and I I don't know if that's just like going forward or just the next game. Or is Izzy, it? Do you just, know?
2: Uh, I'm not actually 100 sure. It, I I thought it might have just been they were taking it out of um, the current game.
0: So we have we have a we have a quote here from. Uh, ea in line with our partnership at fifa and uefa ea sports has initiated processes to remove the russian national team and all russian clubs from ea sports fifa products including fifa 22 fifa mobile and fifa online mm. ea is also thinking about doing the same to other EA sports titles oh yeah there when when
2: our article i just i just skimmed through our article um when we had it, it was like a reportedly thing. Cause I think, uh, an internal email mm-hmm. got leaked. So yeah, that statement is much more recent and is the, the latest update we've got.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're seeing sort of like two types of responses in the industry. Uh, one is, uh, like acts of support. Um, there is like, uh, the indie game bundle, uh, that where, you know, all the proceeds are, are going to support, uh, Ukraine, uh, GOG pledge that, uh, you know, a portion of its sales are going to Ukraine. And then we have, uh, like other charity drives, like, uh, Bungie's annual game to give, uh, it pledged their first, I think like five days to Ukraine. So we're finding, um, a lot of, you know, publishers and organizations that, uh, want to. Uh, you know, fun support for Ukraine. But on the other side is that we're seeing how the game industry is like imposing their own form of sanctions on Russia. Mm. Um, You know, first with the EA thing, we have um, the I think it's the vice prime minister of Ukraine was calling on Sony and Microsoft to block all Russian accounts. Mm. All all Um, Russian
2: accounts. PlayStation and Xbox.
0: Yeah, accounts, PlayStation right? and Xbox accounts. Yeah, um, the the financial s- sanctions are blocking Russian developers from pulling their money from Steam, mm-hmm. um, and we're just seeing how, you know, on on a global scale, how Russia is being isolated and how that's sort of translating into the game industry too. Um, and I think you can't you can't help but have sympathy for like the Russian people that are yeah. being affected by those things. Yeah, all the, all um, the
2: civilians who are being affected by it. It's uh, obviously yeah,
0: so all, all the civilians not kind of in the
1: crossfires of it all.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. It's and and I mean obviously it's like beyond our scope, but it, it it's a. It's unbelievable the the scale, you know, already so quickly, you know, I I, I pointed to this EA story specifically about removing uh, Russian teams from the game. I I suspect we're going to see a lot more of that Mm -hmm. um, as just sort of in general ways to ostracize Russia from, you know, the global community, from gaming in general um i suspect we're going to see a lot more of that yeah we've seen it in just a lot of sports industries in general with
2: um like i think f1 recently said uh russian drivers could compete but they couldn't do so under the russian flag so that's been something where Mm -hmm. it's like you're fine to compete you just can't do it like as a russian you have to just do it as Mm -hmm. whoever you are
0: Um, right and these aren't these aren't like temporary measures. These aren't like well, while Russia's on the attack, like the these are these are effects that are going to persist for years.
2: I I didn't know if uh, I didn't know that was the case.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that that is the point of doing it, right? Like, hmm. um, it's not it's not an optics play. Uh, in my mind, like, yeah, th- this is this is like the consequences <laughs> of, uh, of going to war with your neighbors. So, um, so I'll also mention that we have uh, a resource for Ukrainian studios that you can support. Uh, I will put that link in the description. Um, okay, moving on, we need a couple more. This is now a, a segment within a segment, since we're going to talk about it every single week. Video game, TV shows, and movies. Da-da, you know what? <laughs>
1: yeah, you know what this is. Uh, well, it's this one? Oh God, what was the what was the one this week? Uh, it wasn't Halo again, was it?
0: No, this is Twisted Metal is coming to Peacock. Oh, it was. It's coming to. Yep, one. Peacock. Peacock ah, is en- oh, NBC's yeah, yeah. NBC streaming. That I don't what, know if Peacock why, has is other. The what yet. system
2: shock's going to be on.
0: I don't. Please don't ask <laughs> me. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> There's So many damn shows. Peacock has all the Nickelodeons. No, I think that's Paramount.
1: Paramount. Uh, yeah, I think Paramount's bad because yeah. I remember back in Canada we had Paramount's Wonderland and it's a music park, and they used to have SpongeBob. Oh. So pretty sure that's Paramount. Yeah. Uh,
0: Peacock has the new
1: Save by the Bell. <laughs> oh. Okay. Where do Where do I sign up? <laughs>
0: I think Peacock's the only one that's actually free.
1: I don't think we have... I, I'm not sure. Canada has weird media rules, so I don't even know if we have Peacock here.
0: Okay. Well, you're going to need to get it somehow or you're going to miss Twisted Metal. Um, you know, I, I got to say, other than Bioshock, Twisted Metal is probably one of the best ideas for a movie or TV video game
1: adaptation. Like, Especially if they're going for like the backstories from like Twisted Metal Black,
0: I I don't even necessarily know about the story. I just I just want to see, you know, Axel and Sweet Tooth blowing each other up.
2: <laughs> uh, it's as even like as a Motorstorm fan, I think it's weird that I've not played the Twisted Metal series because everyone always says I'd love them. But are they basically like video game versions of Death Race?
1: Yeah. They're
0: not they're not races. That's well, they're yeah, it's like more arenas.
1: of like a, a destruction oh, okay. derby. Oh, yeah. 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 Like a bunch of maniacs all get behind get into their murder cars and they <laughs> just drive around murdering each other. Which makes yeah. me wonder is there going to be a different cast every season because the whole point of these <laughs> races or whatever is to kill everyone till there's one person left. Yeah. Oh, they won't die. They'll just, like, their,
0: ex- like, car will explode and you'll just see, like, Sweet Tooth, like, rolling on the pavement. <laughs> you know? Um, I, I, I think it'll be hilarious. I am I am definitely uh, looking forward to that as an idea. You know, like, so many of these things, Uncharted and Last of Us, these are just games that are emulated movies and now we have the movies based on the game based on mm. movies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but twisted metal is going to be a video game ass tv show like <laughs> there's no way around yeah. it you know um yeah so still still though still irritated it's how all at all at once all of a sudden maybe marvel's dying down a bit so we're moving on to video game everything
1: i would be concerned except there was like uh that castlevania anime series which i still think is the greatest video game adaptation of anything <laughs> so i i'm cautiously optimistic about the new slate of video game stuff
3: mm-hmm. but
1: i also still remember the, the days of uwe bowl and <laughs> or uwe bowl or however you say his name and i'm always going to be scarred from that so oh, oh, those films were cautiously great. optimistic
2: Max Payne is art. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh,
0: so the last thing before we move on to Elden Ring, <gasps> Elden is, Ring, praise the ring, Elden Ring is. Um, you said it. The PSVR two. There is a new rumor that it's coming uh, early next year. We have a Q one twenty. We haven't. Yeah, we have an actual f- first look at the hardware um is anybody excited for this
4: Uh,
0: i I am a bit i think if
2: it's because we've spoken about um vr before where you you made a really good point of saying the idea everyone has of vr is very very old where it's like oh yeah yeah, i've played vr i did that one thing two years ago five years ago or how long it was so i think if sony Either like takes a big hit on the on the hardware cost and just makes the VR headset very very cheap, or just starts bundling it with all PlayStations. Then I do think it would be cool to have a much more accessible um, entry point into VR. I say accessible as if PS5s aren't already ridiculously hard to get a hold of, but you know, relatively speaking, you know what I mean. Like,
0: I mean, what's if, more if, accessible like, than the Quest? You know the. The Quest Two is in every Costco, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and it's two ninety
2: nine. That's true. That was that as well.
0: I think wireless. Be like... Cool to have.
2: You know, yeah, that something like that, but with the kind of pedigree of Sony, I guess, rather than having right. to have a Facebook machine, sorry, a Meta
1: machine. Is this one going to be uh, yeah. wireless as well? No. Ah, uh, well, I that hate is it. a problem, <laughs> isn't it? That's that's. What I <laughs> Yes, you will be
0: tethered, which is kind of yeah, it's hard, you know, we're we're going on I guess it's been almost 4 years since the original quest came out. Longer than that maybe, maybe closer to 5 years now and it's like it seems pretty bizarre that next year we're going to get a fancy new VR headset with a cable on it. <laughs> like we the, the the you know, the VR market has grown beyond that, but apparently
1: not. Nothing's uh, more immersive than tripping over a cable while you're wearing goggles.
0: The nope. uh, the problem with the first PSVR was that Sony just didn't didn't deliver the games. Like that's really mm-hmm. like Astrobot was great. The Batman thing was like a little tech demo. Like it was maybe an hour long. And then what? Like the Resident Evil Seven port was pretty good, but you know, it had no games. It had Iron Man, but that came out really late. Like, nobody was buying a PSVR for Iron Man at that point. <laughs> yeah. It was think... like
1: an Until Dawn roller coaster game, I remember. I think. Bad. Bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it, so I can't so, say. So, but... we know we're getting
0: a Horizon game. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the name of it.
5: But. I've also um, forgotten the name, but it did look cool in the very uh, brief.
0: There, w- a clip there was another really late game called Blood and Truth that was supposedly really good, but again, like it was so long into the life cycle of the first PSVR that it didn't get that much attention. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably see those. We'll probably see like Iron Man VR and blood and truth. And some of the ones that got overlooked, you know, sort of how like the, Wii, the switch brought all the Wii U games back for a second Mm go. And then horizon. And like, we just need to see some big games. Like it's such a waste of the hardware. If, uh, I think if there's in the software to back it up.
2: Yeah, I think that's what I mean when I say Sony would make it. Sony could make it much more accessible because, I mean, my housemate is a he's a VR dev, um, so he's he's got a Quest two. Um, you know, like whenever there's a new VR headset, he always brings one from work, and we have a little play on it. Uh-huh. But there's never really been anything that's felt like enough to make any of us want to play on that over any of the other consoles we've got in the house. Mm -hmm, It's always just been like, Oh look, check out this gimmick we're researching at work. And it's like, Oh cool. That's, it's just, that's a cool thing, but I'm, I'm done with it now.
0: It's just so isolating. Like, it's just so it, it, all of our habits that we've developed are counter to the way vr works we can't check our phones during cutscenes. <laughs> we can't engage with the other people around us like you just have to be in it you and you have to be like totally alone like uh, of course there's like multiplayer in vr but it's just like it's just such a different experience than the way than the there way we a, engage with with regular games there was an ex-playstation um
2: dev Uh, one of the ups, i can't remember his name but um i think within the last few months he actually had an interview where he said pretty much exactly that like he thinks um Mm. he thinks vr is an incredibly isolating and almost sad thing and he's working on more ar stuff that kind of instead of putting you in the game it brings the game out into the world with you right which i definitely think is an interesting kind of um it's just the other side of the coin to vr it feels like where it's it feels like it's going to be a lot of similar sort of tech, but just used in a very different way, which I think is cool.
0: Yeah. And I think ultimately it's both. I mm. think it's, I think, I think the hardware needs to be able to do both and combine yes. both. Sure. So that's, yeah. Uh, okay. We'll take a quick break now. That is the news of the week. And uh, we'll be right back for Elden Ring. we're back it's time to talk about the greatest game ever made no debate about it unquestionably the, the highest reviewed
3: Elden Ring Izzy quest once is quest is we found the best game <laughs> yeah so gaming thought, is over I thought you were setting up Knack <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not not, not that's enough. the next <laughs> segment <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Jay King hello and our newest editor Andrew King
3: Andrew King, no relation.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Jade, Jade, you reviewed the Elden Ring.
5: I did indeed. I gave it five out of five. You mm. fucking simp. <laughs> I know. So predictable. Like I knew. I knew I was gonna go. Didn't even play why, it. Jade, why is Elden Ring the greatest game ever made, ever? Oh, I wouldn't it's definitely an all timer. I don't think that all timer hyperbolic to say i think it's just even considering the pedigree of where it came from like dark souls yeah. bloodborne Sekiro. it is fantastic in its own right in terms of its gameplay and its world while building upon everything that came before it while also almost subverting it in some ways like the lands between and the stuff you do in it is denser and more imaginative than I think anyone could have expected, especially going by the pre-release material, which I don't think really took us out of the opening region. Like there is so much in this game.
0: I have a theory. I'm not playing this game. Uh, oh, you're not a gamer. I see. It's <laughs> Destiny time. It's the <laughs> Destiny time of the year. Unfortunately, um, I have a theory, uh, and I don't. I. I. I'm not going to disparage the Alden Ring. It's okay,
5: I'll forgive you. Okay,
0: (laughs) so Cyberpunk killed Hype. Hype died, and we mourned the loss of Hype. (laughs) And then Elden Ring brought Hype back to life. Uh, Mm. Mm. We have a game that everyone anticipated. It was the most anticipated game two years in a row at the Game Awards. Mm. And then it came out, and it lived up... Two yeah, expectations.
5: I mean, it, it arguably exceeded, surpassed it, them it for me. I feel
2: surpassed expectations. Yeah,
5: I expected it, it to be another Souls game, but like to yeah. me, it kind of does a lot more than that. Yeah.
0: So, so uh, while Cyberpunk was the exact opposite, it was the most hyped game of all time, and it came out
5: and it ruined all of our lives and it killed our <laughs> puppies. We were hurt <laughs> once, and we weren't going to let. Yeah, the game has hurt us again.
0: So because Elden Ring resurrected hype it gets to be uh, the chosen one. Um, that doesn't mean it's not an amazing game, but I think that maybe speaks to why it's being heralded uh, as the s- fucking second coming.
5: Yeah, I feel like we needed a win. Like, the gamers needed <laughs> a win. <I> don't know, <laughs> hey, but... the,
0: gamer, the gamers needed this one. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to look at this game because it feels like the sort of game like a lot of other FromSoft games. You'll have fans populating wikis and discovering new things for several months so i think six months mm-hmm. down the line it will be fascinating to see like a critical re-examination of this game surfaces maybe it'll turn into horizon where people might be like oh maybe it's maybe it's still good but maybe we were too kind to it like <laughs> i wonder if algebra might occupy that space but for me like It's the best open-world game. Arguably the best game to come along since Breath of the Wild. Like, for me, in a lot of ways. Like, it ticks
3: all of those boxes. I think it's hard to... You know, with Horizon, it's like... You can wrap your arms around what Horizon is pretty easily. Like, if you played an Ubisoft game... Or, you know, basically... You know, any open-world game, for the most part... In the past 20 years, you kind of have a good idea of what Horizon Zero Dawn is so like yeah. looking back on it you can go it was a really polished interesting one of those and i think the thing that elden ring and zelda breath of the wild and like to a lesser extent like red dead 2 i think of those as like the three really interesting open world games that i've played in the past five years yeah or so. i
5: agree i think they 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 reinvent the genre all three of them in entirely unique ways i think they're more yeah. abstract in the experience you have in those open worlds they aren't dictated by well red dead is dictated by quests and like so is breath of the wild but i feel like the way in which you discover those worlds and explore them and make your mark on them are uh, yeah they're the only three games kind of doing that whereas yeah. even with horizon forbidden west it felt like it it took more from its contemporaries and it did push things forward itself
3: despite mm. still being a great game Yeah, it's like I'm enjoying Horizon Forbidden West and I feel Mm, like I've only like sort of scratched the surface of it. But I also feel like what is below the surface, I know what it is. And like Elden Ring, is like I feel like I've just scratched the surface even after 40 hours with it. And I have no idea what is beneath the surface and I'm scared. (laughs) I I started a
5: second playthrough yesterday on Xbox and I think it's the Weeping Peninsula, like one of the starting areas. And I spent about four hours there last night realizing that i didn't veer off in a certain direction which was like hiding like three optional dungeons two boss fights and loads of other shit i didn't even find when i was reviewing the game like enemy types and a weird village full of the pot people who were just friendly (laughs) and i could just steal all their shit like (laughs) this game holds so many surprises in a way that i don't know it just made me i felt like i'd lost my mojo with games for a bit the past year but it felt like Mm. this almost reinvigorated a lot of that passion like it brought it back in a way that like it's one of those games that you only get every once in a blue moon if we're being like overly traumatic about it
3: right i mean i really really strongly to what eric said that like i was looking forward to cyberpunk so much like despite all the you know, sort of problems that we were seeing with it pre-launch, yeah, I was like, okay, too. this game might be a little racist. It might be a little transphobic. I feel like there are going to be some <laughs> issues with this is game. It's fine. Right, I feel like, okay, I think there's going to be a lot of problems with this game, but I still feel like I'm going to enjoy it and, like, be able to say, like, okay, like, it messed up a lot of the, like, story stuff, but there's still, like, a world here that I'm interested in occupying, and then it disappointed me on that level, too. So I was like, just, like, You know, sort of you know, it was the first year of COVID, so I was like, okay, this is the thing that's getting me through this year is like I'll get this really hefty, interesting RPG to spend time with at the end of the year. And And then then it didn't Yeah. And then it didn't I mean I still like that game. It just is like as much as I expected to like it, it ended up Mm -hmm. disappointing me some. And so yeah. Since then, I feel like the games that I've really enjoyed have been ones that I was not super hyped for. And like Hitman 3, I I didn't play like the first two Hitman games very much. And then I fell in love with that game and I played like hundreds of hours of it last year. And then Elden Ring, I feel like I was not that excited for it. And uh, yeah, then it has been sort of a revelation.
0: I want to go back to the Breath of the Wild thing, because obviously we can't talk about open world games anymore without (laughs) referencing... Breath of the Wild. And it seems to me that um, maybe Elden Ring is a better comparison than most games that we uh, compared to Breath of the Wild, certainly more than Legends Arceus ended up being. Um, But it it also seems to me that the the sort of distinguishing factor between them is how much Elden Ring allows you – To uh, like as Jay put it, make your mark on the world, but sort of like tell your own story and and play the game your way. I think the thing with Breath of the Wild is that everyone can take their own path on that journey, but at the end of the day, it's still like Link's story and the adventure only kind of happen unfolds one way. Whereas with Elden Ring, because you have such a vast range of you know builds and and weapons and directions to go and you know ways to take the fights or whatever um it seems like it's much more of a create your own adventure in this world than mm. uh, than breath of the wild ever could have been
5: and you're not the hero like even in breath of the wild you've been being given that independence like link is the hero of time he's the one being depended on to save this world when when you get into when you start Elden ring like oh you're a maidenless virgin loser like, you, you're <laughs> not going to amount to to nothing like you can try and like grow powerful and kill all these bosses but good luck my dude so mm-hmm. the fact and like you build little micro narratives from like the NPCs you meet or the bosses you fight and you might not even decide to follow the grace or play the game in a conventional way so and the storytelling being abstract as it is in a from software game even though I think this one is a bit more direct in a lot of ways than the past ones it's still a case of you're picking up little nuggets of narrative and context Mm. and and making your own story that you could you could not look at a wiki and just interpret the world in your own terms which i think as eric said like you can make your mark on the world way more than you could in breath of the wild and i think that's part of the reasons why it's so fun to play like even on repeat playthroughs it doesn't feel you're recycling the same content because you can Mm tackle it from a different way every time
2: i think from software has definitely taken the best of the narrative elements um and mm. the mobility from sekiro and trans and fused it with the the mystery and the intrigue of uh their of the dark souls games where yeah the, uh, things are a bit more direct and it feels like you know you don't you don't necessarily have to consult a wiki for absolutely everything, but also, yeah, there's still so much just everywhere <laughs> to uncover and so much untold. I think what I found really interesting is I I didn't like Breath of the Wild at all, really. Like, I tried mm. it a couple of times. Oh,
5: interesting. And okay. I just
2: can't get into Breath of the Wild, so I was getting a bit worried about all the Breath of the Wild comparisons, but then getting into elden ring it's i mean me and both my housemates are all playing it and we're all playing it simultaneously so it's pretty much work and then we'll all just be in the lounge playing on our like separate machines um mm. and yeah i think what i've nailed down as the reason why i prefer it so much is combat in breath of the wild never felt like it had much of a purpose to me like you could clear out a camp and you maybe get like an item or I don't know something but i i never felt that there was that much drive for me to like commit link to ever fighting with anything whereas yeah, so you in, can
5: avoid it and it doesn't matter
2: yeah and i mean i know the bosses in and breath of the Wild are really really cool and there's like the really fun puzzle dungeons. so i know it's not it's not pointless and i'm not saying it's bad it's just definitely like you know not it, it wasn't mm. enough incentive for me to engage with it on that level whereas with elden ring it feels to me like the point of the game is combat and exploration and both of those things are handled in just such superb ways that like they're
3: really really married together just phenomenally yeah i think the only thing that i mean i i think the Elden or the comparisons of breath of the wild make sense because of how elden ring handles exploration and because of how many surprises the world Mm. has for you I think, you know, if I was going to, if I miss anything in Elden Ring from Breath of the Wild, it is like the, the sort of feeling like with Breath of the Wild, it feels like you're sort of playing with like a chemistry set or like, you know, playing with blocks or something because there's so much physics and like simulated stuff out in the world. And it's like, I could take out this bokoblin camp by like, you know, electrifying the water they're standing in or like something like that, or like knock down a rock that kills them and like. Elden Ring, it really feels like it's just you with, like, whatever weapons you have against enemies rather than the world itself being something that you can use to your advantage in that way. Yeah, well, it's of mechanical. I think, yeah, I like I like that as well. That I think that is just something that I really love about Breath of the Wild is mm-hmm. the... I think, like, Elden Ring is obviously going to have long legs because there's so much in the world to discover, but I... I'm wondering if, like, in, you know, five years we're going to be seeing people doing, like, crazy Looney Tunes shit in Elden Ring in the same way (laughs) way that we see in Breath of the Wild, where it's, like, you know, using all those systems in, like, ways that nobody could have ever expected to kill enemies. Like, I think that's part of what makes that game endlessly rewarding to follow. Yeah. And I'm curious to see, like, how Elden... what what we are talking about with Elden Ring in five years. Like, what are the secrets that we find in the game or, you know, what gives it those legs to keep being something we discuss?
0: I would imagine it'll be like any Souls game where people have to create their the own their own challenges outside of the game. It's going to be people beating Elden Ring with bananas and shit. Yeah, know? like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's the exact opposite. Like mm-hmm. in, in Breath of the Wild, we have those the people that are like riding a log 50 miles across yeah. the world. <laughs> But but yeah, this is gonna just be people using the longsword with their feet or whatever, uh-huh.
3: right? Because there's already people that have like figured out how to play it with ring fit and are beating like Margaret with uh, ring fit. So like, yeah, I'm sure that'll only get more you know wild as it goes on. I think uh, one one absolutely
2: excellent tweet I saw about Elden Ring when um it's been designed as though. Uh, Miyazaki heard about no hit runs and took personal offense
3: mm. I, I, as I've been playing this I've been thinking about like people that beat uh, you know previous Souls games with um, you know their eyes closed there was like the guy that did the blindfold run mm. and thinking about how impossible that seems like it would be for this and people are I'm sure people will still do stuff like that for this game that like just blow me away like
5: speed running for this game. Like, a lot of people don't even know what the endings of this game look like yet. So seeing how that will work, because and I think a lot of the people, it's like Izzy not enjoying Breath of the Wild but loving this. I think it's because it takes a lot of the lessons mm-hmm. from Breath of the Wild. It gives progression more of like a tangible feeling. Like, mm. it's got the scope of Breath of the Wild and the level of discovery. But whenever you sit a, a lost grace, you're like, you're making yourself more powerful. You're yeah. doing other little things or you're returning to the round table hold. It feels like, Whenever you venture back out into this world, you're progressing your own story. Where I guess with Breath of the Wild, it's more of a case of making your own fun in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not doing the Divine Beasts, you very much have to to learn its systems and learn how its physics works. Otherwise, you're just going to be, I don't know, not having as much fun as perhaps you want to be. I yeah.
0: I, I keep seeing the same message over and over that this is the most approachable souls game. And I, and I, I see everybody saying the same thing that, um, because it's open world, it affords you the opportunity to go off in a different direction and not beat your head against a challenge that you're struggling to overcome. Um, because you can just go somewhere else and you can like level up and you can come back later. And because of that, that, Takes away some of uh, so much of the friction uh, uh, of Dark Souls' infamously hard challenges, and therefore it's a more approachable game. I want to interrogate that idea a little bit. I don't necessarily know if the three of you agree with that or not, but um, I'm curious because to me, as someone who's, uh, I-, I guess, kind of a little bit too impatient for Souls games generally i've only finished bloodborne i've dabbled in all of them but i, I really i only got through bloodborne because i love the world so much mm, you know other, otherwise i would have up. i would have for sure bounced off because i'm not patient enough for these games and it and when i hear like oh this one's so much more approachable because when you're struggling with a boss you can fuck off and for 10 hours farm something else i'm like well that t- that's the same problem whether i'm beating my head against the boss or i have to go grind it out somewhere else or whatever like i'm s- to me it's still just as unapproachable because of what these types of games demand from you and it's it essentially boils down to like patience and determination
5: i don't think it's When I I wrote an article about this, and that point also stands, but I think it's more approachable in terms of Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, and even, even Bloodborne and Sekiro to an extent were cryptic in the way they played and the way they controlled and the way you learned things. But in Elden Ring, which this kind of shocked me when I was reviewing it, in the pause menu, the item descriptions have far more deliberate descriptions now they just tell you what they do or what they are you don't need to discover that for yourself and there's like a dedicated tutorial section in the pause menu that will just lay down all of the how moves work how items work how certain characters work where in dark souls it was very much a case of just figure it out yourself as you die or (laughs) experiment and we're not going to tell you any of this stuff like you can read the notes on the ground but they don't really help this Elden Ring, I feel, is approachable because it it understands that these games are difficult and their, their artistic vision, in a sense, is very much dependent on that difficulty and rising above a challenge. But it feels like the developers have realized, oh yeah, we want to keep that and I think the games would be worse if they didn't have that. But we also want to bring more people in and we don't want the gameplay systems that have existed now since... 2009 to be unapproachable anymore so they're just telling you how the game works there off giving you enough avenues to experiment in this massive open world and you're going to get your ass kicked but i think there's far more ways now than there was in the past to rise above that challenge
4: Mm.
5: Hmm. yeah i think think accessibility is a completely different conversation that i don't have like the expertise to speak for but i think like approachability in terms of like this genre and this developer, like Elden Ring, does feel like... I, s- I think it's harder than some of their other games, but being able to approach that hardness feels like it's far wider than it was before.
3: Mm. Yeah, I think... I guess for me, the w- with the way that I approach... I guess, like, you know, the way that I am approaching it, it does feel more approachable than... Um, Past games, I think of like you know, in Bloodborne, it was sometimes difficult to tell if you were on a required boss or like an optional boss. Like when mm-hmm. I, I ended up like not finishing that game despite loving it, and uh, when I did, I was like stuck on a boss and couldn't get past it. And then later found out that oh, I quit during an optional boss. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. even need to fight that boss. Um, and with Elden Ring, it is pretty clear. That, like, okay, some of these bosses are required, but there are a hundred different other directions you can go. So everything becomes sort of optional in that way. Um, There are areas that you can't access unless you beat a boss. But even like early on, when like there's a, you know, there's a boss Margot that you have to fight uh, early on to gain access to the castle, but like you. No, I can run in a bunch of other directions and do other things. And I think the game just by giving you like introducing you on an open field, instead of like a narrow corridor and the way a lot of these, the other games in the, you know, loose series have done, like it becomes clear, okay, I can run in a bunch of different ways and do a bunch of different things. And so it communicates itself more clearly in that way, I guess the things are not required I guess I don't know so for me it, it has been easier to like stick with this game than it would be if it was like okay there's one boss I can be tackling right now and I cannot make a dent on them
5: yeah cause you will reach those moments where I say it takes about five plus hours before you stumble across a boss where it's like okay you need to beat this like this is this is a culmination of everything you've done so far and the five lords who are very much like narrative linchpins throughout the game you have to beat them to beat the game obviously but beyond that like in dark souls you could or like demon souls i suppose you could go to other areas and come back when you were ready and you can do that here but it's less defeatist i guess is the right word to use you don't feel like all of your hope is zapped because you can't get past this one boss and there's also mechanics like the summoning where you can just ring a bell and someone i always use a pack of wolves because they can aggro Same. even a boss's attention <laughs> it feels no, really won't. cheap but you can get their attention get behind the boss's back and just beat the fuck out of him like mm-hmm. those are very valid strategies if you, if you feel like you're cheesing it by summoning someone but these games always double a boss's health bar when you summon people so it doesn't really discount the challenge unless you pull someone really good mm. i think for me the
2: i mean the very fact that the game starts with a tutorial area an, an optional tutorial area that is still very easy to miss because it's literally yeah. <laughs> just down a big dark pit with an npc going hey dude trust me jump in this pit and everyone's mm. like fuck you guy i'm not gonna do that but, that's so worth uh, doing like it's so worth doing because even um i restarted my playthrough because i'd gone for like a dexterity build and i wasn't really gelling with it and i thought i want a different starting weapon different starting armor um chose a strength build and ended up doing in four hours what i'd done in like eight and a half hours over the week see you're learning is that's that's the soul's way (laughs) yeah so you learn um you get better but i did the tutorial area again because i thought you know i just want those the souls that it gives me so i can um level up quicker and realized there was a note i'd kind of skipped over where if you do a jumping attack you you're more likely to stagger an enemy like you break down their poise which and their poise is obviously a mechanic that's borrowed from Sekiro, and it's hidden in um it's like a hidden bar under their health. every bar,
5: enemy basically. has one like every, every boss every enemy has
2: poise um, so I learned that and then I was able to beat um, Margit that boss that's been giving everyone trouble because I just spam jumping attacks and was like oh cool I just keep breaking their poise and mm. then um, and then landing crits on them but in terms of how approachable it is for like new players I don't know I think as Souls fans and people who've played the other games we I, I think just seeing Stacy in the Eds chat like talking about what do you mean this is what you do and like asking so the toxic very basic bro. sort of <laughs> asking the very sort of basic <laughs> questions of like how do i level up how do i level this up i still think the game is i'd say as like how it's always been where it's like none of that is it doesn't feel like any of that's any more explained it's also the kind of oh i just
5: i very much disagree i think algorithm really? like directly explains a lot of these things to you <laughs> Like in narrative relevant terms but like compared to like dark souls mm. or demon souls it does feel like they want to railroad you in a certain direction in the opening hours before going do what you want
0: I played the technical test Jade like a few months ago when oh I yeah played for a whole weekend uh, this was my experience with the game and I think like at the end of this year probably i will just gonna be like well obviously this game is not for you because this was, <laughs> this was the the problem that I encountered. I started out, I, I fought my way up a mountain and I found a boss on a bridge. Oh, is that
5: market? I, I can't remember. He's kind I of, I think up, so. Yeah. In a, I, I, like I a went up a mountain.
0: And I, uh, I went up a mountain. I went through a tunnel. Yeah. And I, yeah. And yeah I that's it. Came yes, out so. and there's a guy on a bridge. Yeah. And I couldn't beat this boss. And I had to, think, should I be able to beat this boss? Should I be able, is this an issue of my skill and do I need to practice fighting it? Or am I literally not strong enough because I haven't gained materials and upgrades or whatever? Yeah. And so that, that doubt made it a terrible experience for me because I don't know if I should stand there and fight it because I ought to be able to beat it. Or if I should leave and go somewhere else. And I, if I'm supposed to leave, where do I go? And do I need to fight my way back through all the shit that I fought through to get up here? Mm. And when Izzy talks about restarting to get a different build, like that's unfathomable to me. To me. <laughs> I'm not going to restart a game I've put 10 hours into or something.
5: I think, but
0: every, I hear so many people saying, like on Twitter and stuff, that they restarted to get a different build. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think this game is for me.
5: <laughs> my experience when reviewing it i started off as a mage i think and I, as much as i love choosing the spells i realized quickly that i wanted to do the strength build that i've done in all the other souls games and i think while i was hamstrung somewhat like just finding the right weapons and the right gear and the right talismans and like specking in a slightly different direction allowed me to approach a build where i could just walk up to an enemy with a great sword and like hold my own. So I think, I suppose in previous Souls games, sometimes a lot of the classes are often just like a blueprint of different attributes that, yeah, it does require grinding to like get that experience to go in a different direction. But I think Elden Ring is such a vast game that you want to have that definitive decision at the start. Like, okay, this is my play style and this is what I can rely on as I learn the game. Like. I think Stacey's gone for the mage now, and she's finding it a lot easier, which I do think is a good decision for starters, because you can just hide away from enemies instead of getting up in their grill.
0: So how do you know when you are fighting a boss and it's kicking your ass if you just need to push through and learn the fight, or if you're literally not strong enough to do it? It's often a combination of both, I think. think Because, like,
5: one-bro runs are a thing in Souls games where, like, People like beating the game without levelling up. And I'm, I'm fucked that. <laughs> I think with Margit, even in my second playthrough, I tried to fight them first time, almost got them. But then I was like, oh, I'll just go away, level up a bit naturally and come back. And then I beat them my second time round. But
4: mm.
5: I don't think there is a definitive way to know. Like Enemies don't have like level values or things like that. Or at least not ones you can see.
2: Right. I think it all comes down to personal yeah, preference as well. And I think that's <laughs> what... <laughs> I think that's something when people talk about the challenge of Souls games and like how they don't hold your hand, it is exactly that in that it won't, I, I think it's up to you to decide do you want to try and beat it as you are or and it, you know, it's an open world game, it's a very open, open world game and yeah, as Jade said, like the 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 first area, like Margit only blocks off like a, a, a very small part of the game, you can
5: go You can hop around it if place, you go by the And you can anyway. go around
2: it, yeah which I actually did on my first playthrough just completely accidentally. Mm, um, Me too. I think... I So I haven't grinded once so far playing, and I've got less hours than my housemate, and I'm a higher level than them. And so I think you don't need to grind. I just... The way I always play a Souls game is I'll kill every enemy on the way somewhere, but then generally once I've unlocked a place, I'll just teleport to and from it. And so I I think the way the experience is distributed across the map is... Honestly, quite fair, and means that you know when I generally my rule of thumb is if I fight a boss and I can get them comfortably to like half health, I'll give the fight you know like several. That's attempts when
5: you where, know like, you can do it. I think yeah, maybe
2: a dozen or so attempts where I am like, okay, let's see. But also that can depend on like a boss's second phase. Like, there is one boss I found which is like, oh, it's called like an ulcerated tree spirit or something. <laughs> Love it's in it. its arm. Um, it's it's messed up like. I can get it down to half health, no problem, but then Mm -hmm. as soon as it does, it enters a second phase, fire goes everywhere, and it just gets way too fast, and it can pretty much one-shot me. So now I'm at the stage where I'm like, okay, I need to play this frame perfectly, which obviously isn't Mm going to happen. I need a bit more health, I need a bit more, like, I need to be doing a bit more damage and taking a bit less damage, so I know to just go and explore somewhere else do some other stuff and come back and i don't see that as me having to go and grind for a few hours i'm like i'm just gonna go and explore and like enjoy a different yeah. part of the game and then right. you know in five levels or in 10 levels i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna see where i'm at with that boss and if I can it's not it like there, a jrpg
5: great. where yeah. you're like oh yeah. i hit a final boss fuck i'm not powerful enough i are gonna have to kill these same enemies over and over and over again mm. it's not like that it just hitting a boss and realizing oh i'm not ready for this it feels like a natural part of the game because Rare. the world will but encourages you to turn back and explore because it knows that there's other things out there for you to find yeah. and you'll just get stronger like yeah. naturally as a result of that
2: and it yeah. makes beating them later so so rewarding for me oh, i like, know right you feel like look how powerful i've become like this boss that was absolutely battering me and you do it does almost feel like cheating sometimes because you're like wow i just kicked this thing's ass like this was nothing now but i think that's very much it is baked into the artistic vision of this game yeah where it's like look at look at the challenges you can overcome and look at how easy things can become when you just have more experience and when you've got more mastery there
5: is nothing more satisfying than going (laughs) to an earlier area i think there's a dragon at the Mm -hmm. beginning in the lake And I rocked up to that guy like 30 hours in and just (laughs) fucked him up. He did not stand a chance. I was like, come on, boy, let's do this. And I rocked his shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that feels incredible every time.
3: But but if that's not for you,
2: it's not for you. Yeah, (laughs) totally
3: fair. I've got like five different bosses that I could go fight right now. And to me, it's like... It, I don't ever feel like I'm grinding in this game because if I'm stuck on one boss, I can go fight another boss that maybe I've leveled up some since the last time I fought them. So I can go and see if I am like a high enough level now that I can kill them easily. Or like recently I hit like a story boss and I was like, okay, I don't feel like I'm at the right level for this. So then I went and there's a, a boss in the starting area, which is like a huge golden knight riding around on his steed that like like if you try to fight him early you're gonna get one-shotted and then there's that dragon he's one of the first enemies you see is that guy right. he's a lesson
5: in well design like you can yeah. try and fight me but i will i will do you and then you'll <laughs> run away
3: and come back like right that's sort of like me.
2: just go around go around
3: yeah around.
5: Like, This
2: ain't for you right now
3: <laughs> it's sort of like is the you know is the approach of the whole game is like you can try and fight that guy at your current level. And like, if you do a frame perfectly, you could beat him or you can go and explore and find a bunch of other things that the game has to offer. And that sort of is like, unless it's like you're stuck on like the final boss or something, that always is the case that you can Mm. do this right now, or you can go around and see what else there is to do. Like when I got stuck on that boss, I went and took on the guy on the steed, beat him in one try, took on the dragon beat it in one try, and was like, okay, you know, I've gained a ton of progress that I can see because both of these enemies could really do damage to me early on. So, I don't know. It just sort of depends on what you prefer, because, like, the last game that From Software put out, Sekiro, is, like, you always are ready to take on a boss. You know, like, you can switch out some of the stuff that you have equipped, but you're not gaining levels. So it is, like, you know, you're always the right level to take them on. And, like, I found that much harder because it's, like, I can't go and... You know, I can't up my stats in any way. I just have to get better at fighting. And, like, Elden Ring is much easier in that way because if you are stuck, you don't need to get better, like, at your abilities. You can just go level up and then brute force your way through it. So there's a lot more flexibility in that way over whether you are ready for the challenge, basically. Oh, yeah. Mm Hmm. Mm-hmm not buying you know, it I, I, it's just
4: i
0: i no i get it i grind game oh, yeah. i play destiny like i know mm-hmm. about like grinding out games or whatever and like leveling up and getting stronger i just i don't know i i think when people talk about there's a common reframer on these souls games where people say that they don't hold your hand and every time i hear that i just hear this game doesn't respect my dime and like i get that you can like go to this boss and try it and maybe it didn't work and you're going to go do something else. But it's like, I don't want to go to the boss that I can't beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, ha- I don't want to
5: waste my time. Because you don't know you yeah. can't beat it yet until it kicks you ass. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I, don't, I think framing it as a waste of time is um, not the right way to look at it because it's not wasting your time so much as it is setting you up to overcome that later. And that's mm-hmm. when you're not going to look back on it on... I mean, if... If one of my housemates does just bash his head against the wall and waits for that frame perfect fight, and that's how Mm -hmm. he does it, and that's fine. But for the rest of us, we go, try a few times, like, okay, whatever, not now, go back. And it's like, okay, I didn't waste my time. I couldn't do it then, and now I'm a god. And it's, you don't get that I'm a god feeling without that initial, oh man, this thing's whooping my ass.
0: But I mean, even you said it feels like cheating sometimes, like as if you didn't earn it because you're just, because now it's easy.
2: I wouldn't say not like I didn't earn it. I, re- I mean cheating in the sense that because you you do become so much more powerful as you play and as you level up. And it's not only through, you know, sheer levels. It will be through um, developing a play style and mm-hmm. just mastering the, the sort of like the nuances of each game's mechanics. Like
5: mm-hmm. uh,
2: knowing whether a crit's going to do more damage or if you should stagger someone and then use like... The axes often have this ability called wild strikes where you kind of just swing your axe in like an x mm. and that can build up some real big damage so i learned with the market fight don't crit him just do the do the wild strikes so it's things like that where it, it feels so much it feels like cheating because you're like oh i know so much more and i've gotten so mm. much better that you're like damn like yeah that was so easy now and you kind of think you know oh, that's where you know you can do another playthrough and you can deliberately maybe not like a zero leveling up playthrough but you can go through and be like, okay, I'm gonna try and be a, a slightly lower level when I do everything I want and see if just game knowledge alone will get me through it.
3: Yeah. Eric, I think I'm sort of like I feel like, you know, sympathetic to what you're saying, because I don't typically even like difficult games. Like I played Cuphead when it came out and it was like, why would you make a game this pretty and then make it evil? You know? <laughs> and with with like Elden Ring and Bloodborne before it, like the difficulty to me is like an encouragement to see more of the level design. Like the difficulty is kind of a a stick that pushes you to like explore more, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, and I think Breath of the Wild is sort of the same way because that game, you know, is significantly harder than past Zelda games at the beginning as you're starting out. Like it encourages you to think about the space in a different way. Like, okay, I am going to get, my ass kicked if I try and take on these bacoblins head on, but I can, you know, shoot this exploding barrel and wipe out a bunch of them that way, or like push a rock down and knock them over. Mm-hmm. Like when a game is really difficult and exploration focused, the difficulty pushes you to see more of what it has to offer in like a deeper way. So like when I like I haven't played Bloodborne in 3 or 4 years but if I went back to it I would still know those areas like the back of my hand because mm-hmm. they the difficulty pushes you to get to know the space really well and as somebody who's like a big fan of like cool intricate level design that is like so exciting to me if these games were easier then I wouldn't know the spaces as well and that's not to say that they couldn't be more accessible cuz I think they could introduce like ways that they could still be challenging but you know people that are disabled could still play them, you know, like I think there is a uh, middle ground there but I think the challenge is sort of essential to pushing you to see all that the levels have to offer.
0: I just wonder if you couldn't say that about any about the hard mode in any game like mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if you couldn't say the exact same thing about playing god of war on legendary mode or whatever like oh it really sears into your memory like yeah I, i'm sure most games are more satisfying and more fun if you play them on the hard mode and mm-hmm. you and you really like push yourself to see everything and get through it and but like these games don't offer any other type of experience like you don't get to choose mm-hmm. if you want a different kind of experience there is no story mode you know mm-hmm. i um, think
2: that's that's just why they're not for everyone no, i, I yeah,
0: know i, I but never like,
5: play games on hard but i
2: love the
4: souls yeah. Like, yeah
0: but yeah, like the it, same. Is, is there any other genre or developer or game that where we talk about the artistic vision like, it's only Souls games that we go, well, this is the way the develop. Like, we never do no, that. No, I disagree.
5: Like I do that with, like, most of the games I love, like, mm-hmm. from an artistic a, a,
0: a, As a defense. As a
5: defense. <laughs> I don't game. think it's a defense. I think it's, like, praising it as a positive.
3: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, or... I think they could... I mean, I think, like, when people you know, mod Sekiro to make it so that they're invincible or whatever. Like, you are still experiencing a lot of what that game has to offer. And I think FromSoft could add those things, like, you know, to the actual game so that people don't have to find these backdoor solutions. Like, and Absolutely. And people would still enjoy them. I think, like, the important thing to me has always been I want it to be difficult, but I would also like it to be you know, accessible to other people. I kind of, Mm. my dream scenario would be if like FromSoft let you play like an hour of uh, the game and then lock in your difficulty level so that you couldn't change it after that. So it's like, okay, I want it on the normal setting or I want it on the story setting, you know, but then you, because like my my thing is like, if I'm playing a game on hard and it gets too hard, I'm going to knock the difficulty down. And I don't want that to happen with these games necessarily, but I think it also would be great if they were, you know, more accessible to other people. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is a difference between these games and other games in terms of, like, the difficulty conversation. Because, like, I, I brought up Cuphead, but, like, I don't feel like I get... Like, I don't feel like that game pushes me to, like, explore. Because you can explore. Like, the whole game is... It, aside from, like, some platforming levels, the whole game is, like, these boss fights. Mm-hmm. And, um... But in Souls games, because you can go fight a boss or you can explore the world or you can like, you know, level up, there is there are places you can go when you are challenged. And I don't feel like that's really the case in other games that have harder walls that you're up against, you know?
5: Yeah. Mm.
0: Well. I, I think we have officially covered the ins and outs of Elden Ring and nobody needs to ever talk about this
3: game again. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. satisfied.
0: We really put a pin on it and the rest of the world, I think it's I think it's time to move on from Elden Ring. Redid I think. It. Yeah, I think Redid. they should
3: stop talking about it. There's nothing left to say just that we stop haven't said. It, yeah, we said everything
0: mm-hmm. there was to say. So, good. great well, job, It's bad, everybody. just don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, no, I'm it. the only one here who's not playing it. So like I don't have <laughs> I don't have an opinion. I just I, you know, I if if the global gaming community is going to treat this as the best game of all time, I think it's I think it's worth interrogating why Oh, for sure. W- what makes it, you know, so great. Um yeah. and I don't deny that it is. Like mm-hmm. you three love it. And everyone loves it. Fucking everybody loves this game. I've seen so many
2: people tweeting about how they've refunded it. Because they they bought into the hype that it was the most approachable FromSoft game ever. They Mm -hmm. bought it. Um, I saw one tweet. It said, a literal pack of dogs fell from the sky, <laughs> surrounded me and killed me. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's happened to me in like two places. And they were like, Uh-oh. fuck this game. I'm not playing it. I'm done. I'm returning. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, I will say that is a funny thing. Everybody talks about how fair that's these games so are, but funny. these games troll the fuck out of you. Yeah, yeah they're like there are booby deck. traps and bullshit everywhere.
2: I got, it tele- it, I got teleported and my mate was like, oh, if you go south, there's this cool sword you can get. So I went south of this. I actually went to the south of the lake, not south out of the lake. Found some ruins, went down into a little cave and was like, oh, there's a chest here. Cool. This must have the sword. Fucking nope. Got teleported into some crystal cave That's so good. Clearly way, way above my level. And uh, when you die, the game doesn't send you somewhere else. No, no, it puts you back in that cave. And so you do
5: just fight have your to way like, out, learn how either
2: fight your way out or run out. Yeah? <laughs> Those are your two options. Or it's it's so like, yeah, the games do absolutely take the piss and... I think, didn't Miyazaki have in, say in an interview once, he doesn't do these things because he's a sadist. He does these things because he's a masochist. Uh, and yeah, I like, do did. agree, I'm like, you play it and you're just like, you have to find that joy in the game just fucking you. Like, for no
3: yeah. reason. Sounds I will good. say, I, I went and Watch watched it. Ja- I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I saw Jackass Forever last week. And I feel like right, Souls games basically have the same sense of humor that Jackass does, <laughs> yeah. which is like, it's funny for us to be Hit. hurt, and it's funny for us to hurt you. And that, that no. really is what it feels like playing it. Mm. Everyone else is going, why are you idiots enjoying this? <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, well, uh, Link, Jade's review. Uh, does anybody else have anything else we should link there to? Any, like, recent crit? or?
5: I have an, a, a piece on it being the most approachable and loads of other shit uh-huh. i've got a piece
2: that's coming out um i mean it's cms i guess it'll just go out like tomorrow or friday or whatever about how um the way the flasks recharge uh in various different ways really encourage both mm-hmm. exploration and
3: combat in very good ways yeah um i'm quite i'm quite happy with that piece cool We're um really i have a problem. review of it that is going up somewhere else because it's my last, <laughs> it's my last freelance piece <laughs> so traitor could you? we'll
0: link that too <laughs> uh, all right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about a real game Destiny 2 The Witch Queen. Witch <laughs> okay, we are back. Elden Ring is done. Nobody's ever going to talk about Elden Ring ever again. <laughs> we are finished with Elden Ring. Got uh, the blood of knuckles. we're done. <laughs> I have been dying to talk about Witch Queen, and I have brought my very special friends. Jade King's here. Hello. Sean Murray is here. Hello. Um, and Sean, you finished the campaign.
6: Yes. Like, Monday I just finished it, because my internet had been out all weekend, and I was dying oh, to damn. finish it.
0: damn. That's Ugh. terrible. And Jade, you are getting into the campaign, but you're also sort of like lapsed destiny right?
5: Yes, I played a bit of Shadowkeep, and I haven't okay. really jumped onto the Destiny bandwagon since the Witch Queen, because the hype got me into it. I played the opening of the campaign and have just been dabbling and getting my Destiny feedback.
0: Okay, great. Um, so obviously, uh, a Destiny expansion is a lot more than the campaign, but um, boy, what a campaign that was. <laughs> Goddamn.
4: damn. Yep.
0: What a game. I mean, it's it's there's no Destiny campaign that's even close to Witch Queen in my mind.
6: I think Forsaken came close. F-
0: Forsaken is good. I think I I think what makes Witch Queen stand out so much from all past Destiny campaigns is that it 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 tells a story that is always moving forward and it feels like every other campaign ha- is like this is the bad guy, and here's their lieutenants. So go like fight all their buddies. Yeah. And oh, then it's the very end...
5: Forsaken. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, Forsaken's the worst about it because it's like these are the barons, and you're gonna go take out all the barons. And you could do it in any order, and that was kind of cool. And then like Shadow Keep was like the same thing. It was like you're gonna go kill the aspect of Crota and the aspect of Fendro Fink Finkroll or whatever. Yep. And then Beyond Light did it too, right? Oh. Yeah, and it was like
6: Beyond Light was worse because we had like a complete do-nothing villain that yeah. nobody cared about and was never really that much
5: of a threat <laughs> yeah so, she turns you to ice apparently that's what I figured out and, and yep.
0: she has three friends and you're gonna kill her three friends first Um, but then with Witch Queen it's a completely different thing it's like this is the villain that we've been building up all along you're going to her planet and we're gonna kill her and the, the road to get to there is we have to figure out everything we don't know, all of these big mysteries about this character, um, how she got the light. That's like the the big question, because she has our powers. That's not supposed to be a thing like nobody else besides humans are supposed to have these powers. And uh, yeah, and she, and like now she has this new army and it's like all of these big questions and are getting unraveled through the story. And that's not really something Destiny has ever Done before. So much of the coolest things about Destiny are always like buried under the surface. They're in the lore books. They're like in rare cutscenes. But The Witch Queen, to me, does such a good job of bringing like the story and the gameplay together in a way we haven't seen before.
6: Yeah, I think that it's a little bit, at times it was even cheesy, I would say, where it was trying to be like this uh, almost detective drama that it's putting the player into. Mm. Uh, where like you never, it's presenting itself as like you're trying to do this detective work and find these clues. Although you'd still generally go here, go to waypoint and figure out this puzzle.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's true. I think the structure of the mission, it it, there's no typically in the past like the Destiny expansions have been like you do a mission and now it's like go do some lost sectors. Or it'll be like yeah it has so much like filler between each one where it's like now you go kill 50 dudes and then you can do the next one this one structures each mission as if it's like its own like almost like it's its own dungeon or it's its like a halo
5: campaign or something yeah where like destiny where they often felt truncated the campaigns like narratively and in terms of design like the story would feel disjointed but even in this it feels like they set up the big bad for me already. And I'm like, okay, she's a big deal. We need to stop her. And if they make that compelling all the way through, that will probably be enough for me.
0: Yeah. So I I, uh, I definitely want to talk to you about it again once it's over. I'm really hmm. curious. Like, you must be really lost,
5: right? <laughs> oh, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> like, in every area. <laughs> uh, did you watch
6: any of the, like preview videos or or like the, not... the catch-up videos that bungie released
5: no i didn't even know this existed i'll be real i kind of got okay through the expansion and went okay i'm not playing genshin no more so i'm gonna give this a go and I, i'm the shooting is fantastic and like the loot yeah. progression system is really great and they've made a lot of really good quality of life changes since the last time i checked in so I think I need to learn all of the little things, and then maybe I'll pick up bits of the lore in my spare time once I've done the campaign. Because right now, I am confused. Like I will not it, lie, it,
0: it's impossible for me to like be outside of it at this point. Mm. Like I'm, I'm way too invested in this story that's been evolving for so many years. But I can only imagine that coming in fresh, you know, at, like uh, Sabethin's a bad guy. And we gotta,
5: she is <laughs> we gotta
0: <laughs> we gotta stop her um but like the higher level like paracausal <laughs> bullshit like i i can imagine that it's pretty hard to follow
5: do we know what um, the darkness is yet uh we kind of before that was just yeah the darkness like sick y- i know the light is what gives us our powers like i figured that out
0: yeah so we, we have an origin myth in Destiny, oh. it's it's very much a like uh, you've seen Lost, right?
5: Yeah, finished Lost.
0: Okay, so it's it's Jacob and the Shadow Monster playing their game in Destiny. It's called the Flower Game, and it's this like eternal war of light and darkness. Um, the Destiny's twist on it is the shades of gray in between mm. um, that you d- that you don't get so much in these types of like really archetypal stories. In Beyond Light, we took the darkness. That seems fucked up. And now in Witch Queen, the bad guys have the light. Ooh. And and so this plot is starting to do a lot of really interesting things, ex- exploring, you know, like it's dark isn't evil. Light isn't good. It's not that
5: simple. Why have they introduced a new power in the next expansion? It's called the Grey. The gray. Yeah. I,
6: that, uh, ambiguous power that doesn't really do much, but it makes you feel a little uncomfortable.
0: So <laughs> but, but but that really it because um you know in Beyond Light, we got the power of darkness, so like we we are the gray. We have yeah. the light and the dark. Oh, right. Like that's okay. that's the theme. Um and so in The Witch Queen, there are some really big twists um that 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 point to you know, like everything that we thought is good and like objectively good in the world kind of maybe isn't. The things that we thought were like actually really bad, maybe they're not. And there's like, you know, the characters have to like really reckon with that uh, in a way that I found really compelling. Sean, were you moved by those themes at all? (laughs) Did you cry?
6: I I was moved by how... um... Sympathetic, I felt towards Sabathoon, especially mm. during yeah. her kind of arc. Oh,
5: I love a sympathetic villain. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
6: yes, and I think that's what made her a much better villain than most of Destiny's villains, because yeah. you have that you sympathize with her. And I never really sympathized with Aldrin or what's her face from Beyond Light, Aramis.
0: Yes.
5: Aramis. Yeah. Yeah, because in the uh, opening mission, she's like. I think the ghost goes oh she let us in like she's not trying to fight us maybe that's like maybe she's not like the enemy you think she is that that is that that is sort of the idea that
0: that they play with I I think I think oh, what Sean pointed to we've seen a lot over the last year with mm-hmm. like um the Alexney Elixir- Getting led into the last city and stuff, and like we've seen a lot more sympathy and arcs for what what have always just been the aliens that we shoot at. Yeah, you know, um, and now like this the season that came with uh, Witch Queen, the season of the risen. Now we're partnered up with the Cabal to oh, to fight back. From
5: yeah, so Destiny Two Vanilla Campaign. Uh, yep.
0: Yes, from yeah, the Red War. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. so there there's like a few things going on we're getting like uh a subversion of our expectations about like what good and evil are but also we're getting these battle lines drawn between the forces on one side which is like us and the house of light the elixiny that we partnered with in splicer and the cabal and then the other side which is like the the darkness side the mm. the hive the scorn and there's like and it's not just like us versus all these aliens. It's like two separate sides of a war that we're working towards that's going to lead to the next two expansions, Lightfall and the Final Shape. And that's like really exciting to think about.
5: Where do the Fallen sit? Are they baddies or goodies?
0: So the Fallen are like a bunch of different houses. Mm-hmm. And one of the houses, the House of Light, is our buddies now. Right. Okay. We, cool. we're, we're teamed up with some of the Fallen. Yeah. Um and I, yeah, so like I think there's like a really ex- a, a lot of exciting things to look forward to in Destiny in a way that like you know, every expansion was just such a villain of the week sort of like fragmented. Even the seasons were just so like one-off stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel so much more motivated now that it's all connected and it's all leading somewhere.
6: Yep. I, I don't know how much we can like get into spoiler territory since uh, Jade hasn't finished well, the
0: campaign. <laughs> I I I will say I don't I, I'll give a small spoiler w- without explaining what this means. But there's a moment in the Witch Queen where we find out that the Travelers betrayed us.
5: Oh no! that's a that big goal, like
0: God, <laughs> like God <laughs> did something to fuck with us. Basically,
5: typical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, yeah. So. There, yeah, there's, there's stuff that happens in that campaign that's a really big deal, and we usually don't get campaigns where where things are. I mean, like, sure, getting stasis was a big deal conceptually, but like, whatever happens in a in a Destiny campaign that actually mattered, yeah,
5: know? it often felt like, oh, there's this big galaxy-ending threat, you kill it, job done, never mention them again. Like, I feel MMOs and stuff like this are always stronger when they weave an overarching narrative throughout expansions. So if Destiny's yeah. Setting the seeds for that. That's quite exciting.
0: Yeah. That that's definitely the Witch Queen's best strength. And also I, I mentioned before, but the way that the missions are structured, like as if they're like their own nightfalls or like dungeons almost. They're so replayable. Mm. And there's and we every other story in Destiny, you just do it once and you never do it again. And a lot of the other content sort of weaves back through those areas. Like you kind of see set pieces from the campaigns later on in like strikes and stuff. But this is the first time where every single mission in the campaign is set up in a way to be replayable and to like give you more rewards later on. So it feels like we're going to keep engaging with the Witch Queen campaign, you know, over the next year.
6: Yeah. Every single one of those missions actually ended in a chest. So you're always getting gear. You're always getting upgrade modules. Mm-hmm. And uh, the legendary campaign, you get like a full set of gear at 20 levels above the power cap. So it's it's worth doing uh, more than once. Yeah. Even if it's just on the same character.
0: Yeah. And once you uh, upgrade your throne world to level 15, it unlocks replayable missions for pinnacles and powerfuls too. As if they're just like nightfalls at that point. So it's like built into the loop.
6: A couple of those missions them. near the end are also really long for Destiny. Really like you long. You had to I set aside time. Long.
0: Though even the first one I think is pretty long. Yeah, I just did it again for like the the pinnacle this week, and yeah, like um, you you start on Mars and then you shoot the cannon into her ship, like that, that was whole cool. that whole sequence is really <laughs> cool, and then you fight through the whole ship, um. Yeah. Sean mentioned the Legendary campaign. This is the first time they've done a Legendary campaign. Uh, and th- I think that's another like really big reason why this campaign is so great. Because it's a lot more challenging. And as we've talked about with Elden Ring, harder games are more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh.
5: The yeah. more harder it is and the more grinding you do, the better a game is. That's just how, it, how it works. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, I was really impressed with the legendary campaign. I had a, I had a lot of fun fighting my way through that. It is not, it is nowhere near the like really hard end game stuff that Destiny has to offer, mm. but it certainly is not a cakewalk. Okay, um, you you can get through it with just the gear you get from playing it, which is cool. Like whatever drops, you can just put on and you'll be fine.
6: Ooh, so um, I can go back to being a blueberry and I'll be
4: I'll be
0: fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever pops out of those chests, you can just throw it on and fight your way through. But it's, I always it's look a, a mess at the
5: end of a mission. I'm like, I need to <laughs> color this up. I feel like I could just like, roll for a charity show. I, I keep yeah.
6: using my upgrade modules just because I can't deal with that. I can't go looking like some space hobo going through <laughs> the campaign.
0: They give you so many, which is really nice. <laughs> that is yeah.
6: nice. I appreciate that.
0: The expansion also uh, introduced a new weapon archetype, the glaive.
5: Have you gotten far enough to get the glaive? Yeah, yeah. The the the, the sword that's basically a gun. Yep. Yeah, it's so Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm using that.
0: The best
6: part about it is I don't have to worry about running out of ammo and not being able to stab someone,
5: which
0: is
6: a bizarre problem Destiny has.
0: Right. Yeah. The glaive is the best representation for the new crafting system which was also introduced with this uh expansion i say the best because there are also some pretty bad (laughs) examples (laughs) of the crafting system yep but i but i think the glaive does a really good job of showing how good that system can be because when you get that thing it is fun and it's cool but it's but there are way better weapons you should be yeah but as you upgrade it and as you like um, unlock artifact mods that support it, I guess um, the glaive becomes like a top tier weapon. Like eventually, it becomes like one of the best weapons you could use, uh, especially for like I play hunter, and um, there's a, a suppressing artifact mod for the glaive. Every time I hit a dude with the glaive, I turn invisible
3: what? And, and
0: suppress them. Yep. So that's yeah, broken. Is it's outrageous. It is. Yeah, He's it's totally permanently
6: invisible the whole time.
0: Permanently <laughs> invisible now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the gla- so the glaive really shows off like how good the, the crafting system can be. Unfortunately, I don't know how deep you've gotten into it, Sean, but the, the crafting system needs a lot of work.
6: I've gotten is- deep enough into it to know that it is not any better than what Destiny used to be, which was just, you know, waiting for the thing you wanted to drop while doing certain activities. And, and yeah. like that's sort of the opposite of what we were promised with weapon crafting like we're expecting some sort of at least bypass to the regular rng grind and instead we're being given a okay if your rng grind is really really bad it will eventually end here but that is way further along than it (laughs) used to be
0: yeah and it's actually in some ways a worse RNG grind than ever because you have to farm the blueprints before you can make the guns.
6: Right. So you still have that same, like you can still get screwed by RNG even before you get to the whole crafting part.
0: Yeah. So, so man, there's a lot of problems with the system, but the, the big thing is if I want to make, if I want to craft a specific auto rifle before I can do that, I have to get a specific version of that auto rifle to drop Somehow. So it's not just getting the gun. You have to get a deep sight version of the gun, which is the gun with like a red border around it. Oh yeah. Not not once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, sometimes five times. And these guns don't drop. They like literally don't. And they've said like, they're going to improve it in certain activities and they're going to help you get more resources for crafting, which is like a separate problem but the reality is is like if i wanted to farm a specific role on a specific weapon that was hard now i have to farm a specific type like a deep sight type of a specific weapon and it's just as hard if not harder because i have to do it five times i might as well just try to grind for the role i want
6: at that point but let's not play down the other issue with crafting where to get the materials you have to use like random crap that you find in order to extract those materials and it doesn't feel great to be forced to use a gun that you know you will just crush later in order to get materials from it it feels like you're like forced to use something you'd rather not
0: yeah so yes so there is a big issue with the economy of crafting too because those deep sight weapons not only do they unlock blueprints for crafting but they also give you all of the resources you need for crafting so if you want to build a gun or change the mods on it or whatever you have to use every deep sight gun you find to unlock the resources on it and you know at first it's kind of cool to be like well i normally wouldn't use a sidearm but this is this is a deep sight one and it'll give me money so i'll use it for now and oh actually the sidearm's fun like that's sort of the idea is like you're gonna experiment with things and learn that you like things maybe you didn't like before. That's a good idea. The yeah. problem is the problem is, is that every uh every enhanced trait costs 10 deep sight weapons. So it's not just a matter of like, oh, I'll try this sidearm because it's a deep sight weapon. It's these 10 of the same sidearm, I have to use all of them. Like you go way beyond the I'll experiment with this to see if I like it. It's like, I have been using random ass deep sight weapons all day, every day, just to get these (laughs) crafting materials. I've already tried the sidearm. I know I like it. I know I don't like it, whatever. Now I'm using it over and over because that's what whatever drops, like you just use whatever red bordered item drops. And yeah, Sean's right. Like it feels pretty shitty. And at this point, my bank is just full of uh, already attuned deep sight guns because I'm capped out. On like specific crafting resources, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to pull, pull out shit I can't use. So I'm just filling my bank with attuned deep sight guns that I'll cash out later whenever I get around to crafting something. It's like it's not great.
6: Yeah, like the problem of our vaults overloading, at least for veterans, is worse than ever now, and that's another thing that they kind of screwed up on with weapon crafting.
0: Yeah yeah um aside from that i think that there's a little twinge that we get at the start of every expansion where everything that was cool got pulled out and now there's like a lot less to do
6: i mean there's a lot more to do because like you have your campaign you have the stuff after the campaign you also have the seasonal content which i have not even touched at all because (laughs) the campaign is huge yeah but yeah, it's kind of sucks that we can't go into Harbinger anymore. Harbinger
0: no presage. Off-man. Yeah, no astral alignment, no like all the stuff that built up over the year all got wiped out and once you finish the campaign and the the post campaign, which is very good, Jade, you're going to like uh this like parasite mission. It's really silly and oh, yeah. it's really it's really ridiculous. You're going to love it- that. Destiny feel a lot more like Borderlands than I'd expected. It's especially- very Borderlands, yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: Especially because um, uh, that new SMG—it actually has bullet travel time, which is a very Borderlands thing to do, as mm-hmm, opposed to like, like, a like projectile. Scan. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but once you get through the campaign and like that stuff, you know, the the seasonal stuff is like one short mission per week. So far, it's just like one short mission. And you all you can really do is either grind well springs or grind the PsyOps battlegrounds. That's all there is right now. So that and that happens every expansion. There like we have to build up activities mm. throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that this raid is gonna introduce more stuff like it did last year. Cause Beyond Lights raid like once uh Deepstone Crypt came out, we got oh my god, we got so much stuff. We had like the, a lot of new um,
6: fragments. I remember that.
0: Yeah, we got new fragments. We got the uh EXO lament. You got Lament. Lament the Lament mission which was very good. The EXO simulation activity, the uh eclipse zones on Europa. Like like a bunch of new content appear right after the raid. So we'll find out this weekend what's going to happen. Are you uh, are you racing? Oh god, no. No? I
6: am nowhere near where I would need to be in order to actually get be able to do the day one raid. It's yeah. just not happening.
0: I I'm waiting on some people in my group to see if they're going to get there, but I I have not raced the raid before. I would like to. Um, but yeah, yeah I've obviously. heard it can
6: be extremely frustrating.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> Jade, I don't know if you know about the way they do raids, but the first day they have a 24 hour challenge mode where everybody's level is capped off. It's like reduced and all the enemies are like way harder and everybody races. Yeah. So only like they do worlds first. So it's just whichever team finishes first. Mm. And as soon as that happens, the, the effects in the game, like the story moves forward for everyone because it's like,
5: yeah, like
0: whatever the story, the raid ends and then the world changes. And then, once that 24 hour window closes then the normal raid starts like on sunday and then everybody can not kill themselves trying to <laughs> trying to finish it but uh but yeah that's a really exciting cuz we only get to do that really like once a year um well so, maybe
6: more than once i actually know they're going to be bringing back like an old raid so presumably everybody will know what they're supposed to do in that one
0: yeah yeah we'll get we'll get uh night Night what's it called? The Crota one. Later oh, this year.
6: I don't know. What was
0: that called? Nightfall? I don't remember. I don't remember. No, that's a Batman <laughs> book. Yep. Um Witch Queen Witch Queen is great. I think it's gonna take a few more weeks to find out where everything settles with the new grind. Um, but boy, what what a fucking campaign that was, you know, it's was a longer year than ever. It was 18 months since the last expansion. Normally we only have to wait a year or like a year and a month or so. Um, But if, if it's going to take 18 months to get campaigns like the witch queen, I'm totally fine with that.
6: And I was totally fine with it being 18 months. It was nice to have a bit of a break, be able to maybe play a different game in there a little bit.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah the the long season was hard cuz it was slow but we did get the 30th anniversary event which was almost a season in itself
6: yeah there was definitely a lot to get in the 30th anniversary event although i have to say with like the introduction of origin traits a lot of those weapons that you know you spent those last 3 months grinding for don't seem as great anymore
0: we do have we do have some power creep for sure not just with crafting (laughs) but yeah with the origin traits basically like every new gun has three traits instead of two and it's like well i don't need to use a gun that has two traits these guns Mm -hmm. have three (laughs) so yeah they didn't sunset but they still they still sort of did it
6: yeah, so, it's better than taking all our old guns away, though.
0: Way better than taking our old guns away. I'm still using my salvager salvo. Like I still get to oh, put damn. on, you know, my Iclos SMG, which is bugged right now, but which is
6: great, <laughs> and they haven't disabled it. So use your Iclos SMG. <laughs>
0: yeah, use your Iclos SMG because it's getting the exotic weapon damage forty percent damage boost right oh, now for which... some fucked up reason.
6: I gotta say that actually feels great the 40% damage boost to red red bars? Because, like, you're using suddenly stuff that you would not ever even consider using, like Sweet Business, Surah's Regime. All of it feels great. I've been using last word. Bad Juju is suddenly great. Um, I've been really enjoying just using the last word, because the one thing I wanted it to do was make uh, Orbs of Power, and now nobody can do that anyway. Well, who cares? (laughs) I'll just use that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um yeah, good good changes. I'm happy overall. Obviously crafting needs crafting needs a lot of help. A that's, lot of
6: help. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we we are seeing some changes happen immediately though. So yep, that's tomorrow, reassuring.
6: They should From- be improving uh alloy recaster drop rates or something. And also deep site weapons will have a bit of forgiveness or like do um some sort of protection to prevent you from getting too many yeah duplicates. bad luck
0: bad luck bad luck already. protection yeah That's by the it. time you're listening to this the the ascendant alloy should be easier to farm from those high level repeatable campaign missions and the wellspring should be much better about dropping deep sight weapons and have some some bad luck protection too so because I tried man I I tried real hard to get oh. the to get the blueprints for the mission for the Because you can't get the exotic glaive until you get these specific blueprints from Wellspring and they ain't dropping. I saw Uh, YouTubers talking about doing eight hours and not getting it.
6: Yeah, I'm not even going to bother until the community tells me it's safe to try. Yeah. I value my sanity too much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So we'll see. You know, it's like it will not be a good trade-off. In my opinion, if like the Witch Queen was exceptional, but then the rest of the season is like dry and boring, I don't think that's a good trade off necessarily. Well, it's hard to say. say. I really loved the. I really loved it. I had so much fun with the campaign. So maybe It, it
6: it is a good campaign. But again, I haven't even done any of the seasonal content yet. So maybe that's also worth doing.
0: Yeah, it's just it's fairly limited. The nice thing about the new season is, is that you can uh, focus Umbrals into one specific weapon, which we've never seen before. All right, um, but it's very expensive.
6: Like how expensive we're talking about?
0: You got to run the the activity, the new seasonal activity, PsyOps Battlegrounds. Uh, you need nine of its resource for every one weapon you focus, and you get two from each run. So, okay.
6: Um. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like yes, you don't have as much RNG to worry about, but now you just have to do it twice as as long. So it it's a lot. Kind of yeah. works out. Five insane. five
0: runs per weapon, per roll, like one roll.
6: Do you at least get like random drops while you're doing it? You do. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And those
0: and those focused umbrals aren't guaranteed to be deep sight. So you won't necessarily even get the blueprints from them. <laughs> Maybe that needs lot. to be looked into as <laughs> well. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, right. There is well. an upgrade on the table where your first one of the week is a guaranteed deep site. So, but you can't get that f- until week four, and the okay. blueprint. The blueprints are all five deep sight per per blueprint. So three weeks from now. Five weeks later, you can get. So like wait through the season, now I can actually do shit. Yeah,
6: and by then, what is? Are we going to be having? What's our event for the spring?
0: Oh, we've got the Guardian Games coming. Yeah.
6: So how will that tie in? We have the Olympics.
0: The Olympics of Destiny come up in a in a few weeks. So. Yeah.
6: Yeah, because we skipped uh, Valentine's Day. No love for we're, Destiny anymore. We're not doing Valentine's no. Day.
0: Hey, <laughs> there. There's my favorite lore of all time. Is from what's the Valentine's Day called? From, uh, uh I don't know. Wow, I Please can't think it of it.
6: <laughs> it's already been less than a year and it's already gone. But there's
0: uh, a there's a story about the bow. I think it's Hush, and. Uh,
6: no, it was like Valor. Crimson Valor, I think.
0: Crim- Crimson
6: Days. Cr- oh, Crimson Days. That's yeah. it. That's what so it's
0: there, called. And so one Valor year, bow. It was Valor? Okay. So there was one year where the reward for the Crimson Day questline was this bow called Valor. And in the lore of the bow, Shaxx promised that whoever won Valor, he would
5: marry. Oh, yeah. Get Shaxx in.
0: Yeah. And so when you get the bow... At the end of that quest, you're officially married to Shax. So, we're, I mean everyone who everyone who was playing then is married to Shax. <laughs> I'm are? gay, married to Shax. Oh, actually, sorry.
6: <laughs> Crimson Valor was the shader. The bow is called the Vow.
0: The Vow. Well, obviously, no, that yeah, makes
6: more sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's called the Vow. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Shax is my that husband. Bow. That was a great bow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of the Destiny rabbit hole. Thank you both for joining me. <laughs> Thanks, for well. um, you very
5: welcome. You just made need... all that up. I wouldn't know. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> make it up. Uh,
0: we just have a couple answers to our listener question, if you would both stick around for one moment. We asked, last week, your favorite Souls boss of all time. Jay, do you have one?
5: So, I've got a couple. But I think, for me, the original Dark Souls, it took me a few playthroughs to get through and the bell tower gargoyles felt like Mm. the final hurdle for me to go, okay, I've clicked. I think I love this. And finally besting those after hours, was like a huge achievement. And I think it's not the best boss in the soul series by any means, but it's probably one of my favorites. And I also have a soft spot for Rom in Bloodborne because I played that game during my first year at university. Where we didn't have internet to patch the game nor could I summon anyone so I did that whole game solo and some of the bosses were bullshit without patch Yeah, and I spent oh endless nights trying to beat Rom and when I finally did it felt so good but those are the two that came to my mind immediately Sean, I'd be do- here all day talking about Souls boss
0: <laughs> you got a Souls boss in mind?
6: I do not. I've actually only played uh, Dark Souls 1, hated it after 10 minutes, and never did anything with any Souls games after <laughs> <Yeah>. that.
5: <laughs> perfect. The perfect guess for this segment. <laughs> we should have done it after Elden Ring. We had loads of people. I know. I yeah. Know. We always do
0: it at the end. No, no, no. It's all good. Mine, <laughs> mine was, uh... who did I say? Because I've really only played Bloodborne. So I said Martyr Ligarius, the guy you fight on top of the castle. Oh, yes. Um, hell of a fight. Extremely metal. Um oh my God, le- yeah. Let's go through our listener answers. We have just a few. Uh, John Campbell said, Pretty tough question with all the stellar bosses through the series. From King Allen of Demon's Souls to Redan of Elden Ring. If I had to pick, though... I'd have to say Sword Saint Ishin of Sekiro, an absolutely grueling fight with a fantastic atmosphere. I, I feel like Izzy or somebody said that too.
5: Yeah, the, the other day. Sek- Sekira has like some wonderful one v one classic sword fights, excruciatingly mm. hard. But as as that answer says, like the atmosphere and the the tone and the reflexes are just so perfect.
0: Uh, Ash Parish said Father Gascoigne, corrupted monk, and Guardian Ape. I thought everybody hated the ape.
5: No, because he 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 ties his head off and he comes back to life. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That is badass. Uh, Lale Lule Lo said... Oh, I'm sorry. Lale Lule Ho. Nice. Oh, very nice. nice. Said maybe not the greatest boss, but I'll always really love Abyss Watchers. What's that for? Oh,
5: yeah. That's 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 Dark Souls 3. Okay.
0: Uh, Let's see. Gabrielle says, I was getting through Sekiro Fine up until... Genichiro Ashina
3: who completely oh, yeah, wrecked me to an
0: insane degree that I had to take a couple of days
6: <laughs> see this is why I don't play Dark Souls yeah, me <laughs> <too>. <laughs> a couple of days
5: he made me contemplate suicide but I loved it okay <laughs> <laughs> from software <laughs>
0: uh necromatador said i've only played a portion of dark souls 3 but my partner can attest that i keep mentioning my fight against wolnir as my favorite set piece boss Mm -hmm. and my my fight against the abyss watchers as my favorite it's me but cooler boss
5: oh two for the abyss watchers two votes
0: for abyss watchers uh Susanna grace said father Gascoigne was the boss that made bloodborne click for me once i figured out how to defeat him my entire mindset changed, and I found that Bloodborne became a game I was mildly enjoying to becoming one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And yeah, Gascoin. It's a weird thing with Gascoin. I feel like people either did it in one, or it was the boss that was like, oh, okay, this is what Bloodborne yeah,
5: is. Yeah, because once you know how to fight him, he's very easy, but it, it does feel like that gateway boss. Like, this is yeah. how you need to play Bloodborne. He's like, like dotting, he learned a behind the gravestones. Like, yeah. Taking use of higher ground, parrying, like all of that stuff is needed to beat him.
0: Yeah. Uh and finally, Paul Watson said Capra Demon. Give me ten minutes in a PS3 and I could teach a five year old how to cheese him. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> it sounds to me like that's what most of these Soulsborn bosses are. Figure out how to cheese boss, but it's just not <laughs> called cheesing. It's just how you beat the boss. <laughs>
0: yeah. Gotta exploit them weaknesses. <laughs> 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 all right that'll do it thank you both that's our show for the week thank you so much for listening as always for next week's listener question please tell us what's a video game that you want to see get turned into a movie or tv show you can let us know on twitter using the hashtag #AskTheGamer, and we will read your answers on next week's show see you then